Hot 1027. Good morning, beautiful people of God. You're listening to Sunrise Vashona on Hot 1027. I hope that you and your loved ones are safe and well. This is not an easy time for anyone. I had a service on Thursday morning at church, and a few weeks ago, I was speaking about being in the wilderness and how Jesus endured 40 days and 40 nights alone in the wilderness. And so I invited the congregation into a meditation to encounter Jesus as he was fully human in that wilderness, alone, cold, hot, hungry, and thirsty. And I asked them to speak from their hearts to Jesus and to listen to what Jesus had to say to them. And from the feedback, many people enjoyed encountering Jesus in that way, fully human like you and I. And they found it profound and helpful and a healing experience, especially with what we're going through at this time. I also ran a meditation and I asked everyone to try and hear the heartbeat of God and attune themselves to that heartbeat. Just listen, slow down, let us move in the same time as God. And again, most people found that a profound experience. And obviously, I know it's not possible for us to move in the same time as God, but it's just to try and hear that heartbeat of God and just align ourselves with it. So this morning, as we explore the question Jesus asked his disciples in John 6, who do you say I am? I would like to suggest that we need to look at this question from our hearts and not from our intellect, not from our heads. This is a heart question. In fact, I would like you to ask yourselves a few more questions as well. Who is Jesus to you? Not just who does Jesus, who do you say Jesus is, but who is he to you personally? Was he a prophet, a good person, a teacher, a healer, a myth created by others, the son of God, living bread, some sort of action figure? Um, You can't believe what people say to me when I ask that question. Who is Jesus to you? Have you learned anything new or interesting about Jesus lately? I'm also going to ask that. And if yes, what is it? And how has it impacted on your life or any close relationships you may have? Do you ever struggle with Jesus and Jesus' message? And if yes, have you ever considered in your life not following Jesus? I know there are a whole lot of questions I'm asking you, but these are important for us in our faith and our faith journey, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Jesus asked that very question of his disciples today in John chapter 6. Do you also wish to go away? And Peter responds with the word, Lord, where could we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So now reading from verse 56, John chapter 6. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. Whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. And we looked at that promise a few weeks ago as well. And he said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if we were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one comes to me unless it is granted by the Father. And because of this, many of his disciples turned back, and we're not talking about the intimate disciples, but a whole lot who were following him, and they no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked of the twelve, do you also wish to go away? And that's when Simon Peter says, well, where would we go? We've come to know that you're the Holy One of God. Now, eating Jesus' flesh, drinking his blood and life, 
No wonder some people had a problem with what he was saying. I think even now we might have, if we didn't understand the context as we do now, 2,000 years later. So I'm going to explore that more in a, in a minute. Hot. Hot 1027. Good morning. It's wonderful to be with you. You're listening to Reverend Shona from St. Mark's Anglican Church. And if you've just joined us this morning, I began by challenging people, all of the people listening, with a few questions and to keep them in mind as we explore the scripture. Who is Jesus to you? And has Jesus challenged you in any way lately? Have you learned anything interesting? And if yes, what is it? And how has it impacted on your life and your close relationships, if it has at all? Then I asked, do you ever struggle with Jesus and his message? And have you ever considered not following Jesus? Now I want to add one more question. How would you describe your spiritual diet? Junk food, frozen meals, leftovers, meat and vegetables, microwave meals, bread and wine, Jesus' flesh and blood. Now even as I say those words, Jesus' flesh and blood, they don't sit that comfortably with me, even though I'm obviously steeped in the Anglican tradition and it's normal. So we can't actually, and that's what I, the point I want to make, we can't judge those who we read about in John chapter 6 who felt Jesus had actually gone too far and they walked away, especially as there was an absolute prohibition on people eating blood in the Old Testament. Let's remember all blood had to be drained from animals before they could be cooked. In fact, in one commentary I read, Jesus deepens the scandal. They're saying what Jesus was really saying was that unless we eat his flesh and drink his blood, We have no life in us. What Jesus was asking the people to do, some would argue, was that he was already talking about the institution of the Eucharist, the communion, where we receive the bread and wine or grape juice, reenacting what Jesus did at the Last Supper. And for those who believe in transubstantiation, they actually believe that that bread and wine doesn't just symbolize Jesus' flesh and blood, but is in fact Jesus himself. I personally don't have a problem with this interpretation, except I feel it perhaps doesn't go deep enough. For me, when Jesus said we need to eat his flesh and drink his blood, we have to consider what that would have meant. For me, it means, for me now as this person in this century, it means becoming one with Jesus, that Jesus' flesh and blood are in me, therefore I abide in him and he abides in me. In other words, the sacredness of Jesus is within us and part of us. And that would explain why Jesus then says, if we become one with him in this way, we will live, we will have eternal life. C.K. Barrett captures part of what Jesus is saying when he says, my flesh and blood are what food and drink should be. They fulfill the ideal, the archetypal function of food and drink. This insight is confirmed by what follows. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. The eating and drinking has to do with shared life, mutual indwelling. In the physical realm, one of the most powerful examples of a shared life is eating and drinking together. The laying down of life by a plant or an animal and the interpenetration of life as the molecules are therefore transferred into us and nourish life. So once again, Jesus' mystifying words are referring to something that couldn't be understood until after his death, resurrection, ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit. His death will be the ultimate laying down of life. His resurrection, ascension, and sending of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, brings us into the human scene and the new possibility of actually sharing in the life of God, as he, God incarnate, has shared our life. So in this section, therefore, Jesus is speaking of his death and the shared life that his death will make possible. Morris says that the language of eating and drinking appears to be a very graphic way of saying that we have to take Christ into our innermost being. And I like that. Take Christ into our innermost being.
So if we read this text carefully, it seems to me that what Jesus is promising is also a new quality of life as we take Christ into our innermost being and obviously therefore the resurrection into the future. Coming up in a minute, what is this new quality of life? That's what I want to explore when we take Christ into our innermost being. What does it look like? Heart. Heart 1027. You're listening to Sunrise with Shona. And as I said, if you've just joined me, welcome. It's wonderful to be with you. This morning I've been looking in depth at John 6 from verse 56 and what Jesus meant when he said we need to eat his flesh and drink his blood if we want to live. I've suggested there's a lot more to eating, but in fact it means taking Christ into our innermost being and becoming one with Christ. So what would this mean for you and I? What would it look like? Well, for me it means experiencing that peace of God that passes all understanding, and certainly I've experienced that in the last few months which have been quite Difficult with funerals and especially here with the loss of Ragani. It does mean living a life empowered by the Holy Spirit and it does mean enjoying a deep connection with God. But for me in the context of this passage, it means that Jesus will confront us and challenge us. And when we realize he's confronting us, we have to respond. Now I'm not sure about you, but I think I prefer love, joy, peace and grace of God rather than being confronted. But as I said earlier, I believe that confrontation is sometimes necessary and part of the servicing, the feeding of the soul. Just recently, I've had people challenging me on my inclusive theology. I could sit back and say, well, that's their problem. But God makes me listen carefully, trying to understand where the person is coming from, respecting them as a child of of God with the, the spirit of God in them. And then to go back to God's word, do research and say, why do I believe what I believe? In the process, my understanding moves and becomes even more inclusive. But the point for me is that being challenged is good for me and it deepens my relationship with God. What I'm beginning to see is that taking Christ into my innermost being is not always comfortable and that's okay because I grow. So if you're struggling with your faith today, if someone's hurt you or if you're hurting because of what's going on, if someone hurt you in the church, particularly someone who had authority over you in the church, if you've got questions Maybe God is challenging you to go deeper, to explore more, to question even more deeply. Maybe you need to consider what your answer to Jesus will be if he says, do you want to leave too? Peter answers, where would we go to? You have the words of eternal life. You are the Holy One of God. I love that answer. I think that's the answer I'm staying with. I know that even when I don't understand, even when I can't make sense, as long as I sit with God, as long as I remain open to God, I feel like Peter Where else can I go? I can't walk away. Jesus does have the words to eternal life. Jesus is the Holy One of God. And my heart recognizes that, even when my head might say something else or say it doesn't make sense. This passage also reminds me that the choice to follow Jesus is not a once-off decision, but it needs perseverance in our faith. And we make that decision for Jesus again and again and again. The truth that comes across to me is that following Jesus is not the easy way out just helps us develop a deeper relationship with God and with others when we take the way of Jesus and we actually move into that light and that love of Jesus and allow Jesus to become part of us. My hope and prayer for you is that you will never take the easy way out or decide that following Jesus is not worth it, that you will embrace the challenges, especially the challenges facing us now, the confrontations, the discomfort through this process connecting more deeply with God and growing. I also pray 
that you won't answer with just the first part of Peter's response, where else would I go? In other words, I have nowhere else to go, but that you will respond as Peter does, recognizing the life-giving power of God's word, that Jesus does have the words of eternal life. So may God bless and protect you and your loved ones. May you be anointed. I pray that you are feeling God's love and God's light and God's peace in the midst of all that is going on. Thank you for listening. It's wonderful to be with you on a Sunday morning. God bless. Hot 1027.